guess what? I love you. I love you. I love you. Uh, couldn't help it. Um, I mean, I love Christmas. Uh, it, ask my family, I am a Christmas fanatic. Uh, there's just, every, there's nothing not to love about Christmas. Uh, there's, I mean, you have, you, you have the cookies, and you have the decorations, and you have the gifts, and you have seeing my kids' faces on Christmas morning, and while they're, yeah, they're, they're older now, uh, but still, it's just, Jordan, can I move this? You're right. We're going to move it anyway. Uh, just seeing their face on Christmas morning, you know, it's, it's the blow-ups in your yard. And yes, I have four of them in my yard. Unfortunately, we had five, but one passed away. So we had, to, we had to get rid of it. But I've been told by my wife that I can buy a new one at clearance when Christmas is over. So December 26th, I will be in Lowe's purchasing another blow-up. Um, because she tells me you have to, you're supposed to decorate in odds. So, I mean, we only have four right now, so I need a fifth. But, uh, so, but there, I mean, I just love Christmas. I mean, the, the family traditions, you know, we, we have so many traditions, uh, in our family, um, that, that just, I, the, the, the anticipation of just December 1st is, is just so much. And I, and I love, I look forward to it every year. Uh, to, to what Christmas is going to bring. And to be fair, I get it honest. See, my dad, who just retired from ministry for 42 years, was a, a Christmas fanatic too. Uh, every Sunday closest to July 25th, they sang Christmas carols in church that Sunday. And his message would be Christmas-based. It was Christmas in July. And once October 1st hit, there was Christmas music coming from his office all the time. So, yeah, it's in my blood. I hope I pass it on to my kids so they can carry on the tra- tra- traditions of it all. You know, it's just, it doesn't get better than Christmas. But as I was preparing for this message, and as we're talking about the, the spirit of love this morning and, and how that applies to us during the Advent season, I really started to question, do I really love Christmas? Is love the right word or the appropriate word to use in this situation? Because the question that kept coming to my mind is, can I love something that really doesn't love me back or can't love me back? Can I love an inanimate object? Or do I really just love and enjoy the feelings that Christmas gives me? Right? The memories of when I was a kid getting up on Christmas morning and running downstairs and seeing all the gifts around the tree or decorating a real, a real Christmas tree, a real 12-foot Christmas tree from the second floor landing in our house, right? Or do I, do I really just remember the moments that Ashley and I, when we were dating and going to New York City during Christmas and seeing the tree and, and everything else and, and really falling in love with her at Christmas time or getting engaged in Christmas time? or the birth of my kids around Christmas time, right? See, obviously everything revolves in my life around Christmas, but so are those feelings, are those feelings masquerading as love though, right? Are they just good feelings in my heart that I've said and I've called love, but really it's, it's, it's not, it's not love. 
And it might seem like I'm splitting hairs, because it really, but I think it's a huge difference. And I hope, and I, and I feel like this is what God's placed on my heart to share this morning as we talk about the spirit of love, is that by the end of today, we really truly understand what love truly is. And, and that's my prayer is that we understand what love is. And more importantly, is not only during this season of Advent as we wait for December 25th, but even on December 26th and in February and in June, we know how as Christ followers to show love. So that's my prayer for this morning. So let's pray and, and we'll get into what I feel like God wants to learn this morning. Lord, uh, we just thank you, Lord God, for the, for the season of Advent. We just thank you for, as, as we prepare for the arrival of, of, of your son, as we celebrate um, the birth of your son on December 25th, Lord God, as we prepare, help us, Lord God, to, to truly know what that means and, and to, to, to know what it means to have a spirit of love in our heart. And more importantly, Lord God, what it means to, to show others as Christ followers what that love looks like, Lord. So I pray, Lord, that during this time that, that you just you speak through me, Lord God, that, that you open up our hearts and our minds to what you want us to learn this morning, Lord God. And that more importantly, we can take things away from this morning and, and apply them in our life um, to show people that we come in contact with every day who you are and what love is. Lord, we thank you and we love you. And I pray, amen. So let's see. So, so the first the first question I want to answer is, is what is love anyway? <clears throat> so I want you to think about this. How many times in the past week have you used the word love? If you're like me, all right, we're a pretty affectionate family. All right. So we use the word love a lot. Okay. I tell my wife I love her a lot. I tell my kids I love them a lot. Right? So we use the word love a lot. But the better question is not only how many times have you used it, but how have you used it or who or what have you used it to? Right? So I, I, I tell my family I love them. But I also say I love bacon. Right? I also say I love stovetop. Right? I know you Thanksgiving traditionalists in the room are hating it. I love stovetop. Right? Or... I love peppermint mochas. Yeah, I know. Jordan knows. But I'm using the same word that I'm telling my wife and my kids for a coffee. So God's really convicted me this week to really think about my words wisely. Like very easily we tell, we tell my boys, don't use the word hate because that's a pretty strong word. But on the same side, we don't say, don't say I love an inanimate object when it's just as strong a word. So I, the challenge is to really understand and to, to learn more about what the actual word love really means. Because when you hear the word love, what are some of the words you think about? Go ahead, shout them out. What are other words you think about when you hear the word love? Is that affection? What else? Family? Quiet bunch. Hugs. It's a good word. We like hugs. Hugs are good. God. Rom-coms. You're watching the Hallmark Channel a lot, aren't you? All right. So, all right, so we have all these words that, that when we think and we hear the word love, that this is what we think about. But here's what Webster defines love as. 
Webster defines love as an intense feeling of deep affection or great interest and pleasure in something. It states it as a noun. Okay, I am not a grammar expert. You can ask my kids. All right. We homeschool our boys. I'm allowed to check any subject except for grammar. Okay, that is not allowed. So, but what I'm going to challenge is that love is actually a verb. And as Christ followers, it needs to be a verb. Right? It is an action word. It's intended to be an action word. It's about the extent of my grammar knowledge, so we'll move on. Uh, because my wife's going to start squirming if I keep talking about grammar. But I want you to listen to this story. We go through a book. We've been going through a book this, this Advent season with our, with, uh, with our family. It's a, it's a devotional book written by Max Lucado. And this past week, as I was preparing for the message, and I'll be honest, this one was a little tough for me. Not the subject matter, just trying to fit it all in, in into an appropriate amount of time. But so we sat down, and, and this was the devotional one day this week, and I was like, perfect, I got to use this. So just listen to this story for a second. A man had been burned and disfigured in a fire while attempting to save his parents from a burning house, but he couldn't get to them. They perished. He mistakenly interpreted his pain as God's punishment. The man would not let anyone see him, not even his wife. She went to Dr. Maltz, who's a plastic surgeon, for help. He told her not to worry. I can restore his face. The wife was unenthused. Her husband had repeatedly refused any help. She knew he would again. Then why her visit? I want you to disfigure my face so I can be like him. If I can share his pain, maybe he'll let me back in his life, she said. Dr. Maltz was shocked. He denied her request but was so moved by her love that he went to speak with her husband. Knocking on the man's bedroom door, he called loudly, I'm a plastic surgeon and I can restore your face. No response. Please come out. Again, there was no answer. Still speaking through the door, Dr. Maltz told the man of his wife's proposal. She wants me to disfigure her face to make her face like yours in the hope that you let her back into your life. That's how much she loves you. It was a brief moment of silence, and then ever so slowly, the doorknob began to turn. Would you do that for somebody? I mean, if there's no greater picture of love, that's it. Right? This, the wife so loved her husband that she was willing to disfigure herself to walk in his shoes to feel his pain, to restore a relationship. That should sound pretty familiar to us, right? It's the same thing God did for you and for me, right? John 3, 16, 17 says, besides being on in every stadium behind every goalpost that we watched every football game yesterday, it says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Love through action. And this woman wanted to take the action of disfiguring herself because she loved her husband so much. God loves us so much. He sent his son to walk in our shoes, to feel our pain, to be hung on a cross for us.
Love is an action word. The thing that blows my mind every time I think about it is God didn't have to do that. Right? He's God. He could, have done, he could have done it in any way he wanted to. But he chose to send, to send his son for us. He loved us so much. He was willing to sacrifice his son on the cross. It doesn't matter how many times we fail or how many times we, we screw up or how many mistakes we make. God's love and mercy is there for you and for me. So how does this apply to Advent? I think the life of Joseph and the story of Joseph exemplifies this very well. So we're going to be in Matthew 1.18. So if you have your Bible and you want to turn to it, it's going to be on the screen behind me. Try to make sure my Bible doesn't fall apart any more than it already is. All right, so Matthew 1, 18 through 24, it says this in regards to Joseph. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with the child, and I will give birth to a son, and they call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. I know we've all heard this story, and, and, I've, and I've heard it, can't tell you how many times, sitting in church during Advent messages, and I missed the main point of the story. And I, th- and I think we, we sit here and sometimes we don't give Joseph enough credit for, for what he did and how he showed love. I think if you read through, read through the text, there's two instances very clearly where Joseph shows us what love is. I think if we look at verse 19 again, all right, and verse 19 says, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. See, back in these times, Mary would have been ostracized, possibly stoned to death for her infidelity. Joseph knew this. And because he loved her so much, he wanted to divorce her quietly. He didn't want to publicly disgrace her. And per the law of the Old Testament, he had every right to publicly disgrace her. He had every right to to expose Mary for, for what had happened. But he did not want to do that. He wanted to divorce her quietly. Can you say you would do the same thing? Think about times in your life when somebody has went behind your back or somebody has hurt you. What's our first reaction, if we're being honest? Revenge, right? We want them to feel what we feel. 
All right, if I've been humiliated, you're going to be humiliated. And Joseph has the right to do that to Mary, but he loves her so much, he chooses not to do that. It's love in action. Because think about what if God did the same thing to us? What about if every time we failed God, he wanted to humiliate us? Because when we sin, God's, you know, Scripture's pretty clear that God is not happy and God's disappointed in our sin. It doesn't lessen his love for us, though. Just like Mary's, what Joseph at the time thought was a sin, didn't lessen his love for her. All right, so the challenge in the life application part is, is when somebody frustrates you or somebody humiliates you or somebody does something to you that's unfair, is can you forgive and love as Joseph did to Mary and as God did for, does for us? Is it easy? No. But if we trust in God and his word and we believe in what scripture says, it's what we need to do as Christ followers. Right, there's no greater example than when you forgive somebody. Because right, a lot of times the world's waiting for, for us to see what is our response when we're hurt. Right, and if they see our response is forgiveness and continued love, that represents God in a way that's supposed to be represented. So the challenge is, as, as, we go, as you go through Advent season and as you go through just your day-to-day, have that attitude of love. Have that attitude of love. Right, the second way Joseph showed love is in verse 24. All right, verse 24 says this, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. He did what the angel commanded him. Did Joseph have to do what the angel told him to do? No. Right? He still had a choice. It's like when God tells us to do something, we still have a choice. We have a choice, yes, I'm going to listen to God and do what he tells me to do, or I'm not going to listen to God or I'm going to ignore him and not do what he wants me to do. So Joseph still had a choice in the matter. And do you... Do you think the angel's message took all of Joseph's fear away? No, he's still fearful. Right? Even when God tells us to do things, God tells us to go talk to the person we see at, at the restaurant. Or God tells us to stop and talk to the person on the side of the road. Even when you are obedient to that, there's still fear. But Joseph, regardless of the fear still did what God asked him to do. Because Joseph had all these fears. He had the fear of being ridiculed, right? If he still takes Mary as his wife, he's going to be ridiculed. He was a a tradesman. He was a carpenter. Probably fear of of his business being significantly affected if he continues to take Mary, Mary into his house to be his wife, right? All these real fears that we face, Joseph ignored those fears, he trusted in God, and he listened to the angel. 
So here's how I think it applies to, to my life and to our life. Is think about those things in your life that don't make any sense. Right? That relationship that ended when you thought that was the one. Or the job that you thought you had but didn't get. Or the job that you're stuck in and you really don't want. And we ask why. God has a purpose in all that. I think about probably eight years ago, um, I interviewed at a, at a school in Georgia. And after the interview, we spent the next five hours that afternoon driving around looking at houses. Because we were so convinced that we were moving. And obviously it didn't happen because I'm standing here. But if it did happen... I wouldn't be standing here, right? We wouldn't be in Greenwood. We wouldn't be, I wouldn't be working at Lander. We, you know, our life would be totally different. At the time, I was as frustrated as I've been probably ever and in a long time because I just didn't understand. I wanted that. I really didn't want to see God at the time, right? My, my wife is the realist. She, she tries to bring me back on course, and sometimes I don't want to listen. All right, so, but I was so frustrated that, that I was just like, ah, this doesn't make any sense. And then for a while, I probably wasn't the best person to be around. I, was, I lost some faith at that point, but Joseph didn't. God spoke to him through the angel, and Joseph had kept his faith. He believed in what the angel said. He believed in God's plan, God's perfect plan. And he loved Mary through it all. And he trusted God through it all. And then to make matters worse, after deciding that I'm going to trust God, I'm going to still love Mary, he then had to travel on donkey 90 miles in the middle of winter. Debatable if it was winter, but we're still in the middle of winter. Across rough terrain with a pregnant wife to give birth in a stable. The whole time, I can only imagine that Joseph is going, why did I do this? It would have been a lot easier if I didn't. But he chose to stay, and he chose to trust, and he chose to love. Again, so when, when even when we choose, even when we listen to God and we follow his commands and we choose to love, there's still going to be troubles. There's still going to be frustrations. There's still going to be trials. It's not all going to be easy. But if we're truly trusting in God and truly loving him and loving others, the path gets a little easier. Right? Another definition of love that came about is this. Is love is when you choose to be at your best when the other person is not at their best. Love is when, you, when, love is when what you want is never important. But what the other person needs and wants is always paramount. If you truly love someone, both of these definitions will ring true. All right, Joseph exemplified, exemplified both of these definitions of love, and we're called to do the same as Christ followers. All right, so love is an action word. It's, it's a word that requires us to be active and to show people love through what we do. All right, so then as a Christ follower, how are we called to love? 
And 1 John 4, 7 through 12 says this. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So how are we supposed to love as Christ followers? It really is pretty simple. We're to love the same way God loves us. That's as simple as it gets. We're supposed to love completely and without fear, showing grace and mercy to those around us. We're called to live in love with a missional mindset. Right? Matt Chandler says this in his book, Explicit Gospel. If you never listened to Matt Chandler, I, I, I tell you and ask you to go listen to some of his podcasts because he is a, he's an awesome pastor who God's blessed. If you've never read the book, Explicit Gospel, I challenge you to read that as well. But this is what Matt Chandler says in the book. He says, the single most loving act we can do is share the good news of Jesus Christ, that God saves sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. Members of your families are sinners. Maybe more, maybe some more than others. You're probably thinking. But we're all sinners. Everyone is a sinner. But we're supposed to show them love and show them the gospel and how we love them. That's our job as Christ followers. And it can't be through words. It has to be through actions. <clears throat> There's nothing that we can do to change who they are without telling them about the gospel. Right? Only God can truly change their heart. He's the only one has the power to truly change their heart. But we, can, we are vehicles of God to help with that process by how we love others. And we're called to do that as Christ followers. I mean, it, it's our fifth core value. You know, God created us to serve God and this city. Right? This is who we believe God has called Legacy City to be to be a church that serves, to be a church with a missional mindset, to be a church that preaches the gospel through how we love. The scripture that comes from that is Matthew 25, 34 through 40. All right, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer him, Truly I say to you, 
as you did it to one of the least of these of my brothers, you did it to me. So by being committed to Legacy City and calling this church your home, we are commanded by Scripture to love others. Right? It, it's, it's, not, it, it's not an option. Right? We are commanded by Scripture to love others through service. Again, it's not our idea. Right? We didn't come up with this ourselves. We're just being obedient to what the Word tells us to do as a church, as, as a church body. And again, it's pretty cool. He uses us, he uses sinners to do this. He doesn't have to do that. Right? God can do whatever he wants. He doesn't need us, but he wants us to be a part in this. He wants to be an active part in, in the gospel message. So I'm going to let one of the greatest philosophers probably say it better than I can. a bad little tree. It's not bad at all, really. Maybe it just needs a little love. Just needs a little love. So how many Charlie Brown Christmas trees do you know in your life? Right, those people that you work with, or that you go to school with, or that you come in contact with every day, or you drive by on the side of the road, that just need to see his love. So the challenge is, can we love like that? Again, it's not an option. We are commanded to do that. Scripture commands us to do that. But will we accept the challenge and love like that? Because the challenge isn't not only to do it during Advent, because it's really easy to do it during Advent. Right? We have angel trees, and we have, we're buying gifts for, for, for kids that are less fortunate, and, and we have all these activities and all these events, and you're filled with the Christmas spirit, which I get. I mean, I'm the biggest sucker when it comes to suckers the wrong word. I, 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 want to just, I want everyone to love Christmas like I do or to, to enjoy the feelings Christmas gives me. But the challenge is, will we do it after Advent? Right? As Cousin Eddie says in National Opinions Christmas Vacation, will we be the gift that gives all year long? And it's not the jelly of the month club. <laughs> so will we be that? Will we continue to love? In closing, the word love is used anywhere between 514 and 810 times in Scripture. depends on your translation. But the first time it was used was in Genesis chapter 22, verse 2. And it says this. It says, Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. See, God's telling Abraham to take his son, who they waited 90, 100 years for. He's telling him to take his son and to sacrifice him. The first mention of the word love in Scripture is sacrificial love. It's giving something up. It's showing love through action. And then God, because of his love for us, sends his son as our sacrifice. Because he loves us so much. So who are we not to sacrifice? To not to sacrifice what we want to do, our time, our resources, to love others. 
love is intended to be sacrificial. Scriptural, biblical love is intended to be sacrificial. If you don't give something away for it, it probably wasn't as important for you. So look for those opportunities. The challenge to look for those opportunities, to see those opportunities in your life every day to where, yeah, maybe you're on your way to Starbucks to get you a peppermint mocha and you drive past somebody on the road who needs food. And then you have the debate, gosh, do I use this five bucks to go get me a drink or do I use this five bucks to buy this person food? That's the heart that God wants us to have. As Christ followers, that's how we're called to love. Can we do that? My hope is yes. My hope is that we can do that. We can have that hope, that that feeling of love in our heart that becomes an action word and it takes us through the new year, through the Advent season and continues as we reach people in this city. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you, Lord God, for your love for us is so great. Lord, and, and sometimes we fail to love others the way that you command us to love, Lord God. Sometimes that, that we're so caught up and, and so busy with, with life and with, with our to-do list and we're so tight with, with our resources that you've blessed us with, Lord God. It all comes from you, Lord, that, that we fail to, to love, that, we've, that we, we choose not to love, Lord God. We choose not to be obedient to your word, Lord. But, but I pray, Lord, that, that you continue to work in our hearts and our minds, Lord God that you continue to work in our hearts to, 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 to want to, to showing, to be where showing love is, is the first thing we want to do. It's not the end, Lord God. It's not, a, it's, it's not the last thing we choose to do, Lord God. It's the first thing, Lord. So help us, Lord God, to continually um, to seek you and to have that, that heart of love, Lord, and to show people who you are by how we treat them and how we love them. It's in your name I pray.